Amen. So in this series, we've spent a week on each part of our vision. Our vision is a place to and a place to know God. And then we embarked on talking about the new mission that we have here at Christ City. And that mission is followers of Jesus who serve with heart, worship in wonder, and create with purpose. And last week, we talked about serving with heart. And this week, we're going to talk about what it means to worship in wonder. Without wonder, our faith and even our life can become inflexible, rigid, As followers of Jesus, that's not the way we desire to live or want to live. I don't think anybody wants to live that way. And so part of our new mission is calling one another to a space here, but in life broadly, to be able to worship in wonder. And as as we were talking about this mission and the wording of it, uh, ben asked me, he's like, why, why is that one worship in wonder and the others with? Doesn't it make sense to do serve with heart, worship with wonder, create with purpose? And I said, no, it's got to be in, worship in wonder, because wonder is not something that you possess or that you can bring with you. It's something that you can get caught up in. It's something that you can belong to in a moment of time. And so Part of our mission as followers of Jesus here at Christ City is to worship in wonder. And there's, there's something right around the corner, right up these steps right here, where that's being cultivated every Sunday morning. It's in godly play. And as we were talking about this part of the mission, worship in wonder with the staff, we were talking about godly play and what's happening up there and, and how our children are gaining not access to their wonder because they already have that, but they are, they are gaining a space in which their wonder is encouraged, it's nurtured, it's grown, it's not uh, put away or put aside like the Sunday school teacher on The Simpsons that I shared with before who was telling all the kids that their puppies aren't going to be in heaven and their kitties aren't going to be in heaven, but that if Bart got gangrene on his leg and he was a really good person, but he got in a really bad fight and lost his leg, that his leg would, would, would in fact be waiting for him in heaven. And so in godly play, that sense of wonder that so often has been discouraged is being nurtured and grown and developed. And I want to share with you a couple of quotes from what some of the children have said from Godly Play to give you an idea of what we're talking about here. So, and we've got the, the, uh, the words on the screen as well. So uh, in Godly Play, they have two different main parts. They have the lesson and then the response time. And I see the words are already up there. Take the words down for a second, Joey. Everybody's just reading and not listening to me. So if you haven't been in godly play, and most of you haven't, there's two times. There's the lesson time and the response time. In the lesson time, the students are gathered around sitting on a floor in a circle, 
and the, and the lead teacher who has been trained in this method of teaching is taking them through a biblical story with, uh, with manipulatives. Lots of times they're uh, wood figures and, and, and things like that, and they're telling a story and they're moving these tactile objects around. And then afterwards, there's a response time, and it's guided by the children's curiosity, their wonderings about this story. And so during that time, they have access to the stories that they've already uh, experienced in godly play. They have access to different art materials and uh, even certain kinds of toys that they can respond with. Oftentimes, they draw pictures and things like that. And, and during this time, the teachers walk around and they interact with students and ask them questions about what it is that they're thinking about, what it is that they are wondering about. And so these responses are during this response time that, uh, th that these quotes are from. So during a response time, Ben walked over to me and asked if I wanted to see what he was working on. This is from uh, Benjamin Higdon's words and he's talking to Ben Baker. He showed me a village in the desert box that had existed for several thousand years. So the story was the traveling of the desert of the Israelites, and Ben was interacting with this story after he had received a lesson on it. I saw three categories of the 10 best ways, the 10 commandments, stuck upright in the sand. Love God, love others, and God loves us. Why are these here? Those are signs, this is the child Ben answering, those are, the, are signs the people who have lived here put up. With a plan to ask about each one, I pointed first to the one in the middle that reads, God loves us, and asked, why did they put this one here? Little Ben responded, well, they didn't actually put that one there, he said, only the other two. That one has always been here. So, in another conversation, Wyatt Remington, oh, sad, they moved to Florida, right? Um, the, the Remingtons, big loss. So, will godly play be over after this year, Wyatt asked me. No, it will start over in the fall. Doesn't that mean we'll just hear all the same stories again? No, Dakota interjected. That's uh, Wyatt's sister. I think we'll hear them differently each time. While practicing silence during the lesson, making silence, this is what uh, a guest uh, student said. Wow, it felt like God gave me a hug. These are the perspectives of children interacting with the stories of Scripture. I wonder how many of us, if we were to enter a lesson about practicing silence, we would be so open to the wonder, to the possibility, to the curiosities of that moment that we might be able to come out of the other side of it feeling like God had given us a hug. This is the awe-inspiring perspective and disposition to the world that a child just has. They don't earn it. They don't work for it. They don't do anything except for be born to have this. And so this, this wonder, as we talk about it, I want to give you a, a few ways to, to wrap your mind around it and, and what it is that, 
that we're talking about because it's not just curiosity. It's not just surprise. It's, it's more than that. Uh, so I want to give you this definition from this guy, uh, Neil Burton. He's an author and, and a, a psychologist, and, and he approaches it from a very, a very spiritual place. He said, wonder is a complex emotion involving elements of surprise, curiosity, contemplation, and joy. It is perhaps best defined as a heightened state of consciousness and emotion brought about by something singularly beautiful, rare, or unexpected. When's the last time you felt that? That there was some singular thing you interacted with and it caused you to enter into this other space of existing that involves surprise and curiosity and contemplation and joy. He says, wonder can be excited by grand vistas like landscapes, natural phenomena, human intellectual and physical achievement and extraordinary facts and figures among others. It is expressed by a bright-eyed stare sometimes accompanied by an opening of the mouth and a suspension of the breath. By drawing us out of ourselves, wonder reconnects us with something much greater than our daily grind. It is the ultimate homecoming, returning us to the world that we came from and were in danger of taking for granted. So as a church, we want to be able to worship in wonder, to be caught up in the grandness that every one of us was born with. Jesus says in verse 17 here, he says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And this passage is bookmarked by these other passages that are very telling. So there's a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector who they go to the temple to offer sacrifice, and the Pharisee goes there and talks about how great he is to God. God, I'm so thankful that I'm not like this loser next to me, this tax collector guy. And the tax collector goes up and he beats his chest and he repents. And so one is seeking to hold on to something, the other is willing to lose and let go of things. It's also, there's also a story about a persistent widow who is willing to do anything to have her voice heard to get what she needs. Both of these stories in different ways illustrate the attitude and the perspective so often of a child, someone who's willing to ask for what they need, someone who's willing to let go of things or not even be aware of the things that they feel like is what gives them worth and value like that Pharisee was. So this, this kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is how it is expressed in Luke is this grand expanse of, of the goodness of this world that it grows and, and it enlarges by what we are able to perceive about it. It's the treasure that all other treasures point to, Jesus says. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure that was found in a field, and the person who found it 
didn't own the field, and they went and sold. They let go of everything else that they had to possess this treasure. And yet somehow, according to what Jesus is saying here, almost in just an ordinary moment of time, just this regular teachable moment, he says that this great expanse of all the goodness possible to see in this world is possessed by the perspective, by the position, the disposition of a child. What does that mean for us? Because so much of our life is working towards some unachievable goal. Some goal that we're just constantly, when I get here, then it's going to be like this. I'll be able to rest. I'll be able to take it easy. I, I need to get here. And then I'll be able to stop and smell the roses. And, and the, the, our culture doesn't ever get to that point. We do two things. We work hard and we burn out. And then we work hard and then we burn out. And then we work hard and then we burn out. But Jesus here is offering us a path off that ride just by saying hey no let these kids come in fact if you want the kingdom of heaven if you want access to it all your your working and your striving and your your burnout cycles that you're in they won't give it to you those things will never allow you to taste this goodness that i have made you with it's more of a realizing of what you've been given already. I want this kind of perspective. I want to access the kingdom of heaven like a child. I want to be able to say, like the reading that Javier did this morning from, from Psalm 65, that the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. I want to I be able to live that way and experience life in that way, to lose my sense of self like a child. You see, little kids, they, they're not worried about if they wonder, if they're too curious, if they're going to sound stupid. How many, how many questions, how many times have we not spoken up because we were just afraid of what we would look like to the people around us, what they might think of us? That is a killer of wonder. And I'm so incredibly passionate about that being cultivated in our church, of us being able to gain access to that childlike wonder so that we can experience what Jesus was talking about. That he said, hey, take off all the stuff that you've been putting on, all the armor, all the intricate things you thought was what you needed to get into the kingdom of heaven, to experience the goodness of life. And instead, find the child within you and watch it open up to you. Just just open right up to you, right where you are. To worship in wonder is to tap into the flow of life, the Spirit of God moving and relating towards us in the beautiful, 
dancing understanding of how we even see God as three, three persons in one, this beautiful relationship, connection that is moving through and in creation and in us. Can you think of a time where you've felt wonder? Maybe you were doing a particular kind of task. Maybe you're playing a sport or a game. Maybe you were reading a book that you were really into or, or, or riding a bike with your kids. I've experienced those times. There was one time I'm building a bunch of stuff. We just moved, and I'm building a bunch of stuff right now, and I've thought so many times about this time when uh, – we did like, like a barn raising type thing at this community house where, where Becky and I actually met, lived there for years. And we built this huge workshop, and, and we planned that there was this one weekend, it was Friday and Saturday mostly, where we invited all our friends and all our neighbors to come and help us raise this workshop where we were going to do all kinds of community activities in. And throughout the day, there, there were probably about 40 different people showed up as we were framing this workshop, and it was in July. It was kind of like, like it is right now uh, in Memphis. And we went there. Let, the, let that baby cry. I'm not worried about it. Uh, and, and we framed this shop, and it was just this amazing experience for me. I just enjoyed every second of it. I said, I'm going to quit my job and become a house framer. Because I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much working with this guy, Mario, from the neighborhood and all the kids and adults and parents from our street on Waynoka Avenue in Binghampton and all the friends who are connected to us from other places, all showing up, all, all doing something different uh, to help raise this workshop. I, I've experienced this sense of wonder just listening to somebody else talk about their lives and their feelings and feeling in my mind, seeing the connections form about what was going on with them, what, what they were blocked from, what they wanted, what they loved, what they cared about, and just having these connections forming in my mind and realizing how intricately and beautifully this person in front of me is made. I've experienced it painting. I'm a painter. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, actually. And uh, sometimes when I'm painting and the, and, and the ink and the paint are flowing on the page and something emerges and it's not quite exactly what I expected. There's, there, was a, there was a point at which I lost control of what was happening and this thing starts to emerge and this area starts to take shape and I'm like, I sort of made that and I'm filled with a sense of wonder that something bigger, something beyond me is going on. I remember when Abby, who's here this morning, uh, I remember when he made a, a confession of, of faith in the middle of COVID, and we were all sitting outside, me and Diane Morgan and Abby were sitting outside uh, in, in the heat, and he was, he was, um, he, he, was try, he was like trying to lead himself through a prayer, of faith almost. And I stopped him. I said, Abby, I can, I can help you. And he's like, oh yeah, of course. And we prayed together. And afterwards he said, I feel like my mind is rewiring. I, I can like feel things changing in my brain. 
And that whole conversation, I was in wonder. I was in wonder about the things that were said, the ways that God was leading him and guiding him, the things that came out of Diane and I's mouth. We were being carried along by something greater than us. And all we had to do was let go. I have wonder with you guys all the time. I have wonder watching, uh, w- watching Brandon and, and John, like, playing. Like, just the, just the free way that they can play. I, I, I wonder when I see that. Uh, when when, when Stacy has a word to share, a prophetic type of word, or just the artistic way that she explains life, I have, I have wonder in that. I get caught up in wonder. I might wonder at my wife, the way she can take all these pieces and all these things and put them together into some kind of beautiful landscaping or, 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 or yeah, landscaping or, or in the house. She made this little table yesterday with all these plants on it in a way. And if I was given a million years, I would have never been able to arrange that. And I look at that and I just am filled with wonder. I'm at wonder about Chris Hansen's wondering. The way he just, just being in a conversation, just being around him in the way he wonders about things. I'm like, I didn't know you could do that until I saw him do it. I'm at wonder when I see Emily Thomas's persistence and her humility in her persistence. That that, that girl, she knows that she can bring her need before God like, like nobody else that I've seen. And I, I, I feel a sense of wonder about that. Man, I could go on and on. I have so many things on this list, but I'm also looking at the clock and I'm looking at the sleepy eyelids of some folks out there. It's not, everybody's not wondering at the, in the same space at the same time. Of course, there's those sunsets and, and beautiful rivers and, and mountains and and, and, and grasses, and one time, I, before I even had full access, I don't have full access, but before I had more access to wonder in my life, I did this, in, in 2013, I did this art show, and it was, I painted all of these scenes where, where weeds were breaking through concrete and where, and where wild plant life was overgrowing places of urban decay uh, because I was just marveling at nature just how persistent it is to multiply and, and produce and, and all of these weeds that made beautiful flowers. You ever seen those beautiful wild flowers on the side of a highway that are just growing? And, and, and then we come in with our utilitarianness and our big tools and just like spray it all down with, with weed killer. And I'm like, the kingdom of heaven is in those flowers right there. You see, Wonder brings us out of this toxic feeling of shame. And sometimes that shame, it, it, it blocks us from this wonder. Um, when we are shameless in the way that we view life, we are not able to be right-sized. We think we need to be bigger than we are. 
We think we need to have more answers, more control, and that that's what we're supposed to be. And so we have this lack of shame. It's a, a, there's two ways to have a toxic shame. One is to have no shame, a shamelessness, where we think we have to be bigger, we have to have all the answers, we have to be sure, we have already figured things out, and everybody else just has to step and get in line with what we know to be true. We're never wrong, we always know what the right answer is, we can never say, I don't know, I hurt, I'm afraid, I'm lonely. We have to make ourselves bigger. There's no room for wonder when we are in that state and that mindset. It's impossible that the two don't fit together. But then there's also a shamefulness that can block wonder, where we make ourselves smaller than what we actually are. And we think we're capable of less than we actually are. And we don't think that those types of things are for us to get to participate in. And so while God is giving out free hugs, we say God wouldn't do that for me. This wonder is not just fun and entertainment as an escape from life. It can have fun in it. It can have some type of entertainment in it. But when, when we watch a movie and we see something very artistic, the artist is pointing us to wonder, but it's not ours. If you can cry at movies, but you can't cry in your own life, you're not getting access to the wonder that God has for you. The thing that you crave, the thing that that Neil, the guy I quoted from earlier, says is the ultimate homecoming. What else could the kingdom of heaven be but the ultimate homecoming? So in verse 15, it says people were also bringing babies to Jesus. It's interesting. They're bringing babies, but when Jesus speaks, he speaks of little children. So it makes you think there. Um, It's like Jesus is like, this is close enough. So I'm going to go ahead and make my point, right? People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, to bless them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Are you ever in a situation where you feel like you're five years old again when someone's talking to you or you're in a a difficult problem or situation or maybe 10 years old? Maybe that's the age you feel like or maybe a, a, a teenager. The reason I ask you that is because when we were a child, we were rebuked for wondering, some of us, maybe not all of us. And sometimes we were so rebuked just for being who we were that that part of us just stayed like it was. And we covered over it with all of our defenses, with all of our knowings, with all of our judgments, with all of our sureties about the world, so that little child could never be hurt again. But the child's still there, and we know it. If you ever feel like you're not a grown-up, then that child is there. 
And that same wounded child is, the, is what those disciples spoke out of when they rebuked the children and the people bringing the children. Jesus does not have time for that. He's on an important mission. He's talking about the redemption of the whole world. We got important, more important things to do and to talk about. And Jesus said, this is what I'm talking about. You lost what I gave you, and I'm here to give it back to you. See, I don't know about you, but because my parents weren't perfect, because there is sin in this world, there were parts of me that I determined from the way that I was raised that didn't belong. That I had to compartmentalize off. And that I made an unconscious promise to myself I would no longer give myself access to that part of me because I would be shamed, I would be humiliated, I would be made to feel wrong in my very being, in my very person. And the disciples did too. I know that because they wouldn't have rebuked those children. Because what happens when you cut that part off of you, you section it off, eventually it's going to come out onto other people. Here's how you could know if this applies to you, if your defenses are already mounted up. Do you find it, I'll ask this, I really referenced this earlier, do you find it easy to care, get emotional with characters in movies, but reject, judge, or become even repulsed by the opportunity for those situations in your real life? That's a good hint, if you can do that. Or, just as likely, do you think that the problem is that those around you just need to change their approach, timing, etc., and then you would be able to engage in those things that you like in movies and shows and things like that. If everybody would just act like the movie, then I could engage in those types of things. If you fit into one of those categories, it just means you're, you're a good candidate for going to the doctor, getting some healing that you have a wounded child within you that could experience some healing if you were to say it hurts. It starts with that. It hurts. That's what a kid's so good at doing, aren't they? They will let you know if something hurts. And they'll either keep doing that depending on how we raise them how the village raises them, how the parents raise them, or one day they'll stop because they will have learned from us, just like we learned, it's not okay to say it hurts. If you have resentment, then you have learned it's not okay to say it hurts. If you have to be bigger than every situation that comes your way and can't say I don't know or I'm lonely or I'm sad, it changes only when we can say it hurts here. In uh, the philosopher Francis Bacon's work called Advancement of Learning, he called wonder broken knowledge. And there 
um, there is a German word where we get the word wound from. I'm not going to try to pronounce German. And it's very likely that that word wound, it sounds a lot like wonderful, actually. That there's this Switchfoot song. Anybody know Switchfoot? They're coming to Memphis on Wednesday. And uh, when I was 21 at Minglewood Hall, I was 21, I listened to Switchfoot a lot. It was when my life really changed very dramatically. I'd given my life uh, to Jesus, and, and somebody introduced me to Switchfoot, and I just, I had like, you know, four, four CDs and, uh, that were like Christian, and those were four of them. Um, and they're not even like explicitly Christian, so I just played them all the time ad nauseum until the people around me had, you know, were really frustrated. But they, they, they released an album, I can't remember when, but um, there's a song on it that call, that's called Your Wounds Are Where the Light Shines Through. And there's a line in that that says, we sing these broken prayers where the light shines through. What am I talking about? Why am I adding these things up? The access to our hurt is directly connected to our access to wonder. When we are in our defensive posture, when we are having to know it all, when we have to get bigger or smaller than the problems of life, and we cannot say I'm wounded and I hurt, the hole, the crack, the wound doesn't open up where we can become lost and full of wonder, like a child. Uh, there is a, this is, this is, for some of you, you'll be like, yeah, I know, Jamin, you talk about this stuff. For some of you, it might be a, a little bit more surprising, but um, there's a 12-step group called Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. And this 12-step group, it actually helps you with God and with other people heal the wounded child within you. And it's based all on Christian principles. I want to read some of the steps to you. We're getting to the end here. The, the 12 steps that you work in a 12-step program. The first one is we admitted we were powerless over the effects of alcoholism or other family dysfunction that our lives had become unmanageable. It's just admitting that basically that your, that your parents weren't perfect and that they may have really loved you, but you were also powerless over some of the things that really impact your life now as an adult. And step two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That if we can't say we're hurt, we can't experience the healing that we so deeply need. We don't have access to wonder. Step three says, made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understand God. I mean, this is like basic Christian principles, right? Can you be a, a church attender? Can you read your Bible every day and not have turned your will and life over to God? Yeah, absolutely you can. When you know everything, you haven't done that. Socrates, he, he uh, was told by an oracle he was the wisest man. And so he went to the wisest people he knew, and he asked them questions to find out 
is that true? Because he didn't think it was true. He's like, this is kind of weird. I don't think I'm that wise. And he went to them and he spoke with them for a while. And he came to the conclusion that, yes, he was wiser than them because he actually knew less than they did and was willing to admit it. And that, that was where his wisdom came from. So, yes, turn your deci- turn, make a decision, turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understand God. Four made, I'm not going to read them all, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Who am I rebuking out of my unhealed, undealt with wounds that don't need rebuking? What am I shutting down in my life, in my relationships? Because I won't say it hurts. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, this is step five, the exact nature of our wrongs. When our ego and pride is wounded, we use that to to protect that wounded child in us. If we let the child heal, wonder comes back automatically because you were already made like that. The kingdom of heaven is accessible to all in a childlike place. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We at Christ City, we desire to be able to worship in wonder. So, if Jesus said, that's all right, That's good. In fact, it's the only thing you need is to let that child in you lead the way. Then you can full-heartedly say it hurts, and I need help, and I need healing. Have you heard the phrase that hurt people hurt people? You heard that phrase before? I saw on a wall in Memphis um, this line, healed people heal people. There's something about this connection that we're going to keep exploring. So as we, as we move into the second half of our service, think about what that means for you. Maybe it means you might go to an ACA meeting. Maybe you'll just start by saying to uh, your friend or your spouse or somebody, the next time something hurts, you tell them that hurt. Maybe it's you allow yourself to go back to those moments. This is what you do, learn to do in ACA. You go back to those moments of pain in your childhood and you revisit them. And you actually comfort the child who experienced those things. I've been working on doing that. And it's okay to move a little bit, too. It's okay to dance a little bit. It's okay to play a little bit. Hang out with Brandon and Jonathan. They'll teach you how to do it if you hang out with them long enough. You want to dance? Go hang out with Emily. Emily likes to dance. Let that child do something. Swing on a swing. Draw a picture. We think work is the thing. We think achievement is the thing. But Jesus tells us just being able to wonder at creation is the thing. And you're part of that creation. Let's pray.
God, thank you for the ways that you've made us in this world. Would you give us the courage and the access that we need to be able to worship and wonder together with our lives in our world? Amen.